0: Welcome to the Five Star Life Show, your home for content related to education, parenting, and changing wrong mindsets so you can live a five-star life. I'm your host, Coach Seth. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and I'm joined in studio with my amazing co-host, Coach Mia.
1: Thank you, Seth.
0: And we have a special guest. Um, He is the director of Five Star Life Basketball Player Development. uh, Tone, welcome to Five Star Life Show.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Hey, if you just tuned in, I really want to encourage you to, if you're like an ongoing listener of the program, just a reminder, you can listen to this show anywhere that uh, podcasts are streamed. You can also now watch us on YouTube at The 5 Star Life. And just really want to encourage you, if you're a regular listener, if you do us a big favor, if you hit the like button, that helps us a lot. Also, take it a step further, share this with somebody else if it's valuable. That helps us tremendously as we're just trying to build this program and, and spread the word of the mission of 5 Star Life, which is all about changing the face of culture, of sports, and of education. Uh, but we got a great show. we got a special guest. Um, and, and so I've known Tone since I was in high school. Uh, yep. So, you know, we go way back. Uh, my, my background, our family owned a basketball tournament company called the Red Hacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for all you ballers out there who played in the Red Hacker, um, not the Gus Macker, the Red Hacker, and we had low dunkable rims. That was the feature of the Red Hacker. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I remember, so I remember um, being from central Michigan, uh, coming down here running tournaments in Elkhart, Tone and his crew would just run the courts and he was just this elite. I mean, their team was just special because we'd travel over the Midwest and we'd see different teams, different kids and Tone was special. And so that's how I first came to know Tone. Um, So it's so fun that full cycle, full circle. Now we're working together. So it's special.
1: So Tone, you're originally from Elkhart?
2: Born and raised, yes. Okay.
0: Uh, so born and raised in Elkhart, t- tell me a little bit, let's go back to those. I think you had like played on like a cookie hut team or something. Or I mean, t-
2: Oh yeah. We, uh, were sponsored by Ryan Tracy, amazing guy who owned cookie hut. And he was, uh, on the basketball scene a lot. He would come watch us play at Tosin and he just got a bunch of me and my friends that would hang out and, and play together all the time and just asked us what we thought about about playing in your tournament, and we all, of course, we're hoopers. We we want to test ourselves against others who believe they're hoopers as well. And it was a a, a good thing that we that we put together. And and throughout the uh, the Red Hacker, we we played many many tournaments and had a lot of good success.
0: Talk a little bit about about growing up in Elkhart, and I, I want to get to, and I really want to unpack just the story of Tone because I want people to understand who you are where you've been where you've come from the journey you've been on that that's the sh- that's developed the person that you are
2: okay well first ten years of my life I grew up in apartment complex called midtown it's right on main street and uh, a majority of my friends that I still have to this day are guys I've known since I was in diapers you know my my mother and, and their parents were all really good close type friends so all the, all the guys that I'm still cool with to this day, I've known since we were before school. Um, also, you know, everything we did was very competitive back then. Everything. So I learned to compete at an extremely early age because everybody it seems like I grew up with was good at sports. So that drove me to be better than everybody. I don't know if it's something that I was, I was just born with, but they definitely, friends that I grew up, my, my siblings pushed me to want to be better than everybody. I never just wanted to be one of the guys that was playing football, or we would race and play baseball and those things. And it was just always in me that it drove me crazy if somebody was better than me at anything.
1: When did you start getting into basketball?
2: Uh, basketball came later. Really? So I grew, well, the, the apartment complex that I grew up in, we didn't have a basketball court. Okay. And the school that I went to, there were two ends of the school where you didn't get to, I guess you would call it the far end of the school where the basketball court was until fifth or sixth grade.
1: Mm.
0: No access to hoop until no, you were fifth. No access. So when That's I tough.
2: when I was in elementary from kindergarten until fourth grade, you know, we had the typical, the big, huge tires, the swings, the monkey yep. bars mm-hmm. and things like that. We didn't we didn't have access to the basketball courts. So I didn't really have much interest in basketball initially because I didn't know a whole lot about it. And then one day I happened to put it on channel nine. Those who know from this area, that's WGN, Mm -hmm. Chicago station. Saw this guy jump and it seemed like he was in the air forever. He happens to go by the name of Michael Jordan. And I was immediately inspired, that's what I want to do. From that moment, I never wanted to do anything else. So all my energy and effort was being pushed towards being the best basketball player. Not that I could be the best basketball player. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hear a lot of a lot of individuals say, I want to be the best player I could be. No, I wanted to be the best basketball player.
0: So this is like grade school this yes. is happening.
2: Yes, this happened going into fifth grade, fourth grade, going into fifth grade.
0: And so where'd you start? I mean, you had, you had a, you were inspired by Michael Uncle Jordan. Um, you're watching him play. Uh, where did you start with your game?
2: Well, like most typical inner city kids who don't have access to much, a hanger and a balled up sock. Put the hanger in, in the top of the door, you know, open it up a little bit. And it started with me shooting a sock in a hanger. So that's where the the love for trying to be the best basketball player started. A sock in the hanger, believe it or not.
0: When did you actually start to play in an organized fashion? Or when, when did you start to work on, I mean, five-star basketball, kids today, our generation knows kids today are so blessed with everywhere you turn there's trainers, there's programs, there's so many opportunities to get involved in the game of basketball. And back in the day, it was like, I mean, find a ball, find a hoop, and... Absolutely.
2: Um, It was all about playing as much as possible. So I started playing somewhat organized basketball in fifth grade. I was at uh, Roosevelt Elementary. remember uh, Coach Lewis had recognized that I was an athlete, and it just kind of came... Pretty easy. Like it was, it was God-given gift that I that I could outrun and outjump everybody. And then to add to that, you know, I had the the desire and the fire to be better than everybody else. So it was just kind of athletics was just natural marriage with what I already had going on inside of me.
0: When did you start to see? I mean, when you're young and you're athletic, you can see easy success. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start to see some adversity or realize, man, I got to start to learn some things. And when did you have some people that helped you with some of those skills that allowed you to, to start to excel at a different level with better competition?
2: I think for the most part, it was a, it was a trial and error thing. Again, we didn't have trainers, you know, things of that nature. It didn't really have mentors that poured into us, and and thankfully I had the insight to ask a lot of questions. I asked a lot of questions, so I knew what I was good at. I knew what I wasn't good at, and the things that I wasn't good at, I made sure that when no one no one was around, I put a, a significant amount of time into those things because I could always outjump everybody. I always outrun, and scoring was kind of a a god-given gift. I I didn't have to work hard on it, but the shooting aspect of it the the nuances of the game, the, the thinking of the game are things that I had to work on. And I had the privilege of being around and being able to see guys like Sean Kemp, who's from here, you know, NBA All-Star Olympian, and other amazing players that were in high school, Jamar Johnson and David Colebreath, and I can I could go on and on and on. And when I was a younger guy, I would be on the sideline. Of course I'm too small to be on the court with them. I'd always try to, but I was too I was too small to get on the court with them. So I'd see them do some things pretty much like I saw Michael Jordan and it inspired me. And I always had that in me to, man, when you made that move, like how did you your foot work? And and thankfully they were always willing to answer these questions as best they could. And and I would immediately go to the court on the side and start working on that. And so that just added to, I guess you, you know, the young guys and girls call it their bag. It added to my bag really early and it made things a little bit easier as I continued to progress.
0: Love it. So we're gonna take a a quick pause and I wanna just remind everybody in our listening audience, um, you do us a massive favor when you share this or like this show. Remember, you can listen to this anywhere that podcasts are streamed. Also wanna encourage you, this is the year-end when we're filming this. We really wanna encourage you, if you have not read our series of year-end letters, Go to fivestarlife.org and subscribe to get one. We'd love to get that in your hands and then pass that along to somebody else. It's been an incredible year of transformation. We'll be right back after this. Coach Seth here wishing you a Merry Christmas and whether you love this time of year or this holiday season is really hard for you, I believe that Five Star Life can help. Our team has put together a series of letters that we're sending out over the holiday season and if you enjoy this show, you'll love each letter because they're filled with stories of transformation and hope. Each letter is written in a thought-provoking and inspiring fashion, which means it's perfect reading material to read around the Christmas tree with your family and friends. As a matter of fact, we encourage you to have your friends, co-workers, and families join the journey with you, whether you read it aloud together or you simply just pass it along to them. After reading it, Take a few minutes to discuss the letter and what you can do to change culture. You can find this series of letters on our website at 5starlife.org. Again, that's the number five, the word star, life.org. Welcome back to 5 Star Life. Coach Seth here, and I'll join joined in studio with our incredible co-host.
1: Thank you, Seth. Coach
0: Mia. And the one and only director of 5 Star Life basketball player development, Tone, is in the house.
2: Thank you. <laughs>
0: So we're having this great conversation, Uh, getting a little bit of Tone's background, because for every grandparent or parent or community member that loves the game of basketball, or you have a a player in mind, you're like, you know what, they're just starting to get into the game, or maybe they're at a high level, uh, and you're listening closely, I wanted you to hear Tone's story, because he's played at the highest levels, right, at high school, college, and professionally, and he's an incredible trainer um tone we're talking a little bit about your journey as Mm -hmm. a player growing up talk about growing up in Elkhart and we're kind of talking about basketball and your natural athlete what was it like being a student how was your school life how was your home life and what were some of the things that kind of shaped you as a young man what was going through your psyche at that phase of life
2: uh I have to immediately identify my mother you know I grew up in a, a single parent home and my mom you know she provided you know, I had two other siblings who happened to be twins that were six and a half years older than I am, and one of the things that my mom i don't know if she purposely did it or not, but she absolutely showed me what hard work looked like. you know she worked several jobs to make sure that we were taken care of, and you know we had the things that that we needed so you know i was I've always been an extremely observant individual, so without her telling me you know, I was I was watching what she was doing. And to know me is to know I have a incredible work ethic. Like I, I love to be in the gym, I love to be working. I mean, obviously right now, you know, I'm doing the training, I'm spending some time in the office. And then as soon as I'm somewhat done with that, I'm never done, but when I'm somewhat done with that, you know, I head to the gym and now I'm coaching the high school. So I have extremely long days and, and I, you know, I credit a lot of my drive and my work ethic to my mother. Cause she, I believe inadvertently showed me what her work looked like.
0: There's something about the, the missed learning that sometimes, you know, when, when we helicopter parent and we try to constantly turn everything into a teachable moment, I'm all for teachable moments, but you know, even thinking about the way you learn to play basketball just by observing and just kind of your own internal drive and hunger, um, I also grew up a not in your situation, but we didn't have the trainers. So it's like watch somebody on TV and and go try it. Absolutely. And so there was this, it was very much a experiential learning process. It was and so even when you played, there wasn't like this massive pressure to perform. It was like you're being creative. Uh-huh. It was trial and error where today one of the downsides of Everything is so highly programmed out that k- kids are missing out on just the freedom to love the game. Very true. And experiment. And, and listen to Kobe Bryant say the same thing. Like, do you feel a lot of pressure growing up playing? It's like, no, never. Well, were you afraid to make mistakes? Never. Mistakes were no problem because that was the way I worked out my game. Yeah. And That's- so, you know, any any thoughts to parents out there that are trying to help their kids? navigate you know their kid has a love for the game mm-hmm. any thoughts about how to how to help push them but not not like be that helicopter in their life
2: well i believe it's it's extremely important for the kid to to have a genuine love for it because at some point it's going to it's going to be it should be get difficult at some point you're going to have to be able to persevere and i feel like if if you have a parent that's it's okay for a parent to introduce a kid to sports but the kid definitely should not, in my opinion, do it because their parent wants them to do it. So I feel like parents can just allow that kid to to be a kid because I've had kids that I've worked with that their schedule has been more hectic than mine with mm. multiple sports, kid playing tackle football, flag football, school basketball, come train with me, then feeder league basketball. And I'm just like, you know, It's extremely important. And and because I take it very personal, every individual that I work with, you know, I always say basketball was an introduction. Then it becomes personal and I'm I'm really involved in that individual's life. And I feel like I don't overstep by approaching that parent and saying, when does this individual have a chance to be a kid? Mm. Like they need to come home from school sometimes and just go jump in leaves or go get dirty, go Mm -hmm. ride a skateboard, you know? Those are some of the things that I don't even think existed when I was a little guy, being involved in a plethora of things all at once. You know, it was, you know, take care of your schoolwork, go outside. Mm -hmm. And then when you go outside, you, you, you find various things to do. You know, you're you're racing, you're playing football, you're playing, playing basketball or baseball or whatnot. But when these kids, they have these, it's extremely structured as if they're adults it can take away the joy of what they're actually doing. And I'm all for loving and, and enjoying it. You know, I've given my my two sons one message. They both started playing kind of organized in fourth grade through Tipping Point and Five Star. Go play hard and have fun. Just That's it. I don't want you to do anything else. Play hard and have fun. Because if you're not having fun, please don't do it. Because then it's going to become more difficult than it should. Understand that you're going to make mistakes. That's a part of the game. Learn from them so you don't continue to make those mistakes. But at the end of the day, if you're playing as hard as you can and you're enjoying it, it's easier to live with the results.
1: So you're a trainer. You have two sons. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you navigate that?
2: It's very difficult. It's extremely difficult. Um, It it doesn't really change the fact that I've – played at a high level on multiple levels and it seems easy for my sons to listen to someone else tell them things that I know they know I know. Mm-hmm. So like you could bring your kid to me and you could tell them exactly what what I'm telling them, but they're gonna take it better from me. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't change the fact that I'm I'm a, a good trainer mm-hmm. and my sons know this and they're interested and they love basketball, they still don't always listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> The
1: joy of being a parent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get I get
0: that.
2: Yeah. yeah, so one of one of the most difficult things initially was when I first started training Junior and we had to have a conversation. And I was like, Junior, listen to me, man. When we're at this gym, I'm not dad. I'm not dad. I, I am your coach. I am your trainer. I'm going to pour into you as much as I possibly can so that you can become the player that you want to become. And when we leave, ta dad reappears. Mm-hmm. It took about two two years or more for him to understand that. You know, we'd be in a, in a gym and he may have had a long day at school or whatnot and and I'm getting on this behind, you're not going hard enough, you know. And then when we leave, we go get in the truck to go home, you know, hey, what are we eating for dinner? What you guys want to eat? You know, and I'm getting a cold shoulder, you know.
0: <laughs> you know,
2: he's still in his feelings about what took place at yep. the gym. And so it took some adjusting on my part to understand that, you know, he's young and it's going to take some time. You know, I'm an adult and I've kind of been there and done that, so it's easy for me to make that adjustment. But I had to allow my sons that grace to be able to not only figure it out for themselves, you know, as parents, we want to have the answer for everything our, our children go through and, and are thinking about. And I I had to step back and not force it and allow him to get it in his own time. And so now, you know, I have the the privilege of coaching him as a as a varsity basketball player and I can rip into him and he'll look at me and he'll respond and you know, after the game, you know, dad, you know, what, what are we going to eat? He's asking me what are we going <laughs> to eat now. You know, he, he's not taking it as hard as he as he did when he was younger, which which is a beautiful thing.
0: What a powerful lesson. I mean, our culture does not have enough of that where people understand like, Hey, this is, you know, intense criticism about how you're functioning. Mm-hmm. It's not personal. Not at all. We, this culture, and we talk about mental health and emotions and man, like it's a part of our curriculum, but it's not to stay in a puddle. It's to say, how can you be an athlete, a business leader, a student successfully, but take the heat, receive it, make the adjustment and not take it personal. So, so what your son is learning is so powerful and it's going to shape him the rest of his life because he's going to be able to have tough bosses. He's going to be able to have tough situations. And he's not going to take it personal. He's going to be able to take the information, make the tweak, and that's why he's going to be successful.
2: Yeah, you hit that right on the nail head. I'd always tell him, man, you're not going to have another coach like me. I don't care how much they they yell at you or get on you. Like nobody's going to push you and get on you the way that I have. So everything else is going to be be pretty easy for you.
0: Yeah, it's a huge gift. Okay, we got to take another quick commercial break. We'll come back with more tone after this.
3: Five Star Life is a not for profit organization dedicated to changing the face of culture by changing kids mindsets. Since 2005, we've impacted hundreds of 1000s of lives thanks to the generous support of individuals, small businesses, corporations and foundations. Are you interested in helping Five Star Life grow into all 50 states? With your donation or introduction, you can help bring Five Star Life to your community, school, and state. Go to FiveStarLife.org and send us an email today. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-L-I-F-E.org.
0: Welcome back to The Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth. And in studio, we have Coach Mia, and we have the director of five-star basketball player development, uh, Tone Harden. Uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So you know, Tone, I, I want to get into this segment, and I want to I want to talk a little more about you know, we we talked about as a young kid what Michael Jordan did to inspire you, but I want to get into this this transition into high school and high level basketball and college opportunities and professional. Um, it, it, and I want to ask, just like you had a certain Winning mindset, you had that Kobe Bryant, mama mentality, that Michael Jordan, that edge to you. Yeah. How would you articulate that in you and how you that drove your work ethic?
2: Um, it, I, I guess it's not easy to really to put in words because it was just something that was in me. I didn't learn it. And I'm one of those individuals, you know, as 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 a player. And now a coach, we talk about individuals having that dog. And if, for those of you that don't know what that dog is, that's just an uh, individual gonna fight to win and they're not gonna give up. They're gonna be hard-nosed, they're gonna be tough, you know, and, and everything that, that, that comes with that. So um, me being six and a half years younger than my twin brother and sister, I had to be tough. Because I always wanted, I did everything with my brother my mom made made him take me everywhere he went. So you think about it like this, when I was playing football and I was in elementary, I was playing against high school guys. Had an opportunity to, I was racing these guys. So I was getting body slammed on the on the football field. And whether I knew it or not at that time, it made me incredibly tough. If I'm getting body slammed by somebody six and a half years <laughs> old that's way bigger than me, you know. What is someone my size and my age gonna do with me? Pretty much nothing, because nobody else was playing with, you know, guys right. that were getting ready to to get out of high school. So, that that put something in me that, again, it's hard to explain. I think it a lot of it came, if not all of it, came through experiences, things that I that I've witnessed, things that I've I've had to endure and and go through in my life. So the the sport part just was extremely easy compared to the life part.
0: Well, let's talk about that because every one of the kids we work with, they have a, they have an, there's an
2: athlete side,
0: and then there's just life. Mm-hmm. Most of the time is outside the gym. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Give me an example of what were some of the things you were dealing with that, that some of our kids may be dealing with.
2: Well, in particular, one of the things that really drove me, and don't many people know this about me, not many people know this about me was, like my father's from, he's well, he's not from Elkhart, but he lived in Elkhart. So, and, but unfortunately he wasn't present the way a father should be. So that drove me to a certain extent to, okay, you don't want anything to do with me? You will, you will. And one of those things that I've always been able to kind of foresee is I I drove myself to be this amazing basketball player. And when I got to high school, you know, he showed up. When he started seeing my name in the paper and and seeing me on the news and whatnot, oh, yeah, this is is my son. You know, I allowed him that, but I knew. I knew what was going on. I definitely knew what was going on.
0: It's amazing, and there's so much research about this. And this is part of the core mission of Five Star Life is – you know, at the center of every person is a desire and a need for that father. Mm-hmm. We, we all want validation from a father, from yes. a mother, and it's amazing how powerful that can be—a force to p- propel us. Absolutely. Right? You happen to channel it in a positive way. Yeah. So many of our kids don't. So it's like almost like God's grace sparing you and giving you sport as a outlet.
2: Yeah, that's that's interesting. You say it that way because. I have these conversations with people that are close to me, the, the father that I am is the father I knew I wanted. You know, everything, I I never used what he didn't do as a crutch to do those same things. So, you know, I had an individual come up to me, we were at, uh, at, at Lifetime, we were having games over there and my son was playing, I had a gentleman, Junior and I were getting ready to leave after his games and he like blocked my truck and he just, he was like, "Tom, man, I wanted to tell you, man, you're an amazing father. You're always, you're always present for your kids, man. I just want to tell you, man, you, you, you are an example for for other black fathers to to be present for their kids. And you know, I didn't think I was doing anything other than what I was supposed to be doing. So I didn't need an applause. I didn't need a a, a pat on the back. I just know that my sons are the world to me, as well as my daughter." They are the world to me, and I'm going to be present as much as I possibly can.
0: How did you? Was this was it a conscious decision, or was it just subconscious? It was just. I know you're you're a very intellectual, sharp person. That's just like I'm gonna make the adjustment. This Thank is what you. I want. Um, but was there a conscious moment when you realized I am not going to go down this path, and. Was there ever a point where you had to like forgive your father for the void that was in your life? Oh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. I can remember that day like it was like it was yesterday. So as you know, I uh, I had I've had the privilege of having Pat Magley in my life through Heroes Camp. So I met him when I was eighteen. I was at Glen Oaks Community College and had a couple of South Bend players on the team. And it was like, yeah, we're going home. You you want to come? We're gonna go to play some ball. So you know, ball. Yeah, absolutely. And I had the, the privilege of meeting him. And, you know, through the grace of God, you know, he's been my spiritual father since. He's, I did he's, not know he's, that. He's been, he's been one of the most important individuals I've ever had in my life. Mm. So we had a conversation, deep conversation, where I opened up, you know, some tears were shed and, you know, a lot of things were shared. And, and he was like, you know, Tony, you're not going to be able to, to, to go where you're supposed to go until you address that. And this was, I met him at 18. This was 25. So it took me seven years to be able to become a little bit more emotionally mature because my emotions, when I thought about my father, none of them were good. You know, it's a lot of anger. And I didn't want to address him that way because he's still my father and I have to respect him for, for who he is. But being younger, and being a strong-minded and, like I said, uh emotionally immature at that time, who knows what it came out of my mouth. Right. Because I knew I wanted a relationship, and I didn't want to approach him in a way where I'd say some things or maybe do some things that it would be irreparable. In- I, c- I couldn't fix it. So at 25, I sat down with my dad one day. I went over to his house. I remember it. I knocked on the door. I went in, and I was like, you got a few minutes. Can we talk? And he was like, Sure. And I just started out like this. I took a couple of deep breaths. I was, cause I was kind of nervous and I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous. Right. I learned that from Jordan. You know, I, no reason to get nervous if you're prepared. And you right. know, I, I usually prepare for pretty much everything I'm going to encounter. And I took a couple of deep breaths and I was like, you know, I ain't never liked you. And he looked at me, eyes got kind of soft a little bit. And he was like, yeah, I knew. And then I just started running off questions like, why would you tell my mom you coming to get me and, and not come get me and you, you not know I sat on steps like, all you know, typical things you see in movies and you hear these stories. Like, I'm, I'm that movie. I'm sitting on the steps waiting the entire day for my father, you know, for my mom to be like, oh, baby, you know, something must have came up and da-da-da. But I knew it didn't come up. Again, me being very young and insightful, I just wasn't very important. I knew that. I didn't need my mom to to try to sugarcoat and My mom learned that very soon, that like, you don't gotta sugarcoat anything for me. And to be around me is to know I don't sugarcoat anything because I got that from my mom. I tell you like it is. My mom always told me, you tell the truth, you tell it like it is. If they like you, fine. If they don't, that's on them. So we had that that very difficult conversation and a lot of things were expressed that needed to be expressed. He didn't give me any excuses for why he did or didn't do anything, not one excuse. And the things that he told me, I listened, I took them in and I told him, I forgave him. I was like, even though I don't like you, I didn't like you, I still love you. You know, you provided me life. So, you know, I have to love you for that. And in order for me to proceed and, and progress in my life, I knew I had I had to have that extremely difficult moment. One of the most difficult moments I've ever had in life was having that conversation with my father. And now we have a great relationship. It took a lot of years, but we have a great relationship. Yeah.
1: But it also, it made you the man of who you are today. Absolutely. And one thing that I've, the times that I get to be with you is you have this incredible spirit. It's a loving spirit, it's a kind spirit. And just hearing about your mom she truly did like give that to you uh-huh. I mean even the most moms should be bitter and mad that they you know the, the their husbands their mate were not there and instead she said oh something came up you yeah. know I probably been like that ah, you know <laughs> I would have mm-hmm. made yeah. this the situation worse and I just think that's an incredible uh, characteristic that your mother must have and then yeah. to, for you to take that on and, and embrace it
2: absolutely
0: yeah and, and what you said strikes the heart again of the mission of five star life and what we talk about all the time is kids at the end of the day what majorly shapes who they are is the amount of value you place in them Definitely. and words don't mean anything it's your time mm. it's your attention it's being there you can make all the excuses in the world but it's being there um, love that. okay we gotta take another break and come back with more tone after this Coach Seth here, and I want to encourage you to join me this Christmas and holiday season in the pause. Each year I spend the last couple months and weeks in focused reflection. Where was my marriage at a year ago, my relationship with my kids? How did our personal and professional goals pan out? Do we have any personal or professional goals? My challenge to you is to select what John Maxwell calls a thinking chair, a place where you can sit uninterrupted and just think. Box several short periods of time where you sit with a journal or notepad and just start by listing everything you're grateful for in 2023. The next time, think about things that went well and things that didn't go well. Use your imagination to think about what changes personally and professionally you want to make. And finally, consider your role in impacting the nameless, faceless, and voiceless kids and families that 5 Star Life reaches. Learn more at 5starlife.org. Welcome back to The Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and I'm joined in studio with our Director of Basketball Operations, uh, Bray Beatles, and our Director of Basketball Player Development, Tone Harden. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Having a great conversation. We swapped out Mia for a second because I wanted to get into some technical basketball things because I really want um, parents, grandparents, people in the community to, to get some insight. And I wanted to just ask Tone, and Bray, you can answer this too, but... Tone, in your opinion, what is the number one mistake that parents make in making decisions for their kids about youth basketball?
2: That's a great question. Um, And I talk about this often, is parents make youth sports extremely difficult at times. How they support can be... I guess, misconstrue, you know, we have the, the, the parents that attend and they get overly involved where they're not trusting the coach to develop their kid, where they're, they're how they support at events, tournaments, you know, it could be an extremely negative thing at time, where parents are getting on officials or, I mean, we've all seen the videos where parents are arguing with parents. So I'm a believer that you, you find you find an organization you do your homework, and then you find some trust, and you allow those individuals to develop that kid. I think that's that's the most important thing. Is the is the parents supporting incorrectly, in my opinion?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's parents can be a, a, a definitely a challenging aspect of this. Um, I, I mean, I would even say, like, I, I mean, to to add on to the trusting part of it, you know, you, you're. you're your goal is to get your kids involved in activities that are being led by people that you want their kids led by, right? And when you find that, let them do their work, mm-hmm. and not that you can't be a part of it. Um, but you know, undermining maybe things that coaches are saying, and you know, and when you, it's like sometimes it's like parenting, where um, you know, if you're not if you're doing it the right way, it's probably hard for you to let go of the reins. It's probably hard for you to to say you have my son or daughter instill in them what you want, like, because you have a vision of what you want them to be. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's rewarding. And you know, you can see, you see this all the time. the, The parents that get labeled as bad parents, I think sometimes, uh, bad sports parents, um, I think sometimes they're just a victim of they're just not in the right environment. And I I think parents speak out more when they don't trust the coach, when they don't trust this or don't trust that. And when you have a group that everyone's bought in and understands, never have those problems. It's very rare, right?
0: We haven't battled with much of that. We don't have, I'm just thinking of our own program. We, I'm listening to you guys talk. I'm like, we don't have a whole lot, do we? Or do
3: I just miss all the bad stuff? No, I mean, we have 30 teams and you have, you know, you'll have a, a case here or there, but... When we go to these events and we watch each other teams play, <laughs> it's it's like embarrassing, um, and and we deal with it on such a small level um, compared to that. And you know, a lot of that I, I, we have guys like Tone leading kids. We have, you know, our vetting process of coaches takes care of a lot of that. Um, you, you know, and and it's it's you create a good program and uh, you have great great men leading, great women leading, and that's um, that's a huge huge part of that.
0: Why do you think, in a nutshell, why do you think parents, no parent goes to the gym thinking, I want to lose my cool, I want to take control, I want to be a menace to to this team and embarrass my kid and embarrass myself. Why do you think parents get caught up in that trap?
3: Education. Just not knowing. Not knowing what's right, not knowing what should be taught, having an unrealistic expectation of, you know, maybe... Uh, Honestly, you see it more with younger kids. So you'll have third, fourth graders in there and their parents think they should be doing these advanced things when in reality, they're not good enough at the fundamentals and the basics and that's what needs to be taught, and that's the habit that they have to have. You see, probably see it more then, because it's not sexy, it doesn't look good on Instagram. It's not this flashy thing that I can promote my kids doing these 17,000 dribble combinations. Well, watch one of Tone's workouts, this isn't a knock, watch one of my workouts, put it on Instagram, it's gonna get four views. Because it's just like, we're gonna work on the things that apply to a game. And we tell our kids all the time, cool doesn't win. <laughs> like, you gotta do things that, that aren't cool to win.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. And one of the things that we do as uh, coaches, we make sure we have parent meetings so there's no misunderstanding. And one of the things that I make sure that all my parents of the kids that I coach is that no one talks to the official except me. I
0: because, love that.
2: Because I've been the player, I've been the coach, I've been the official, I've been the parent, I've been all of them, and most haven't. So I know that those officials, they have emotions just like we do. So I can't be on those coaches about missed calls or whatever the case may be. My players, my parents, the other team, like that's, it's, it's, it, makes, it makes the situation that much more difficult. So our very first practice, one of the things I'll, I'll make sure I say is when we're at these tournaments, I am the only one who addresses the, the, the official. My players don't say anything to the official. My parents don't say anything to the official. It's just me. Because I'm almost positive I'm seeing the same thing that you're seeing, and I'll address it. we don't all need to be on them because it's absolutely gonna affect the way that they're officiating the game because i I've, I've been on I've been that official that has heard those those negative things and things that shouldn't be said to anybody, let alone an official and me being human I've reacted I've reacted so I don't ever want to get that type of feeling in an official so I can say some I could say some things that the official may not agree with, but I'll say it in a respectful way, the way that I would want it said to me, sir, sir. And then I'll I'll express myself.
0: Are you going to open your eyes?
3: Sir, (laughs) sir. uh, sir. With all due respect. (laughs) uh,
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
0: One last question. We just have a couple minutes left. Um, I'm going to flip this. I asked about the biggest mistake, but I now want to ask you guys, what is the number one thing parents can or should do to help their kids thrive in the game of basketball?
2: I believe they should ask their kids more questions, ask what they want, ask what they think and ask what they feel, because I believe that it's not being addressed enough. So when I'm brought these individuals, I'm asking that, like, how you feel today? You feel like being here today? Like if, There are days when you have an extremely long day at school, which, you know, we've all experienced. I'd rather you tell your parent and they message me and we reschedule because I know what I'm going to be expecting once you get on that court and the standard that I have for myself and the individual that I'm working with. So I just believe it would be a great idea for parents to, like, really be transparent with their kid and, and ask what they're thinking, how they're feeling, you know, are you enjoying this, is you know, whatever the case may be, they need to have those those conversations so they're not just assuming that their kid is enjoying this. Because one of the things I tell every new individual that works with me, I am not for everyone. I'm not for everyone, and I know this because I'm 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 extremely passionate about what I do, how I do it, and it's just not for everybody. So when when I'm getting on a kid. They need to be there because they want to be there, and they and they know that they're getting something out of it. And I think that those are conversations that need to be had between kid and parent.
3: I mean, I would say support them, and that's what do you mean support them? Um, like, like yeah, take them to practice, but like, why don't you tell like compliment them? Like, like don't when they get in the car, don't tell them all the bad things they just did. Find find you because you're an instrumental part of of them keeping their love for the game. Uh-huh. And so many players start to resent whatever sport they're playing because they get in the car and mom or dad are like, I cannot believe you did this. I cannot believe you did that. Now, there's certain accountability steps in there that I think are re- are very reasonable for parents to address, but why don't when your kid gets in the car, why don't you tell him, "Man, I love what you did on that possession." And even if it's one possession, who cares? And just leave it at that. And stop stop just constantly nitpick because they're getting it from us they're Mm -hmm. getting it from coaches who are trying to push them yeah right and uh so i i would say support your kids talk about the positive things that you have seen and 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 like and watch them do those things again because they want to please you
0: listen and i would tell every parent grandparent anybody in the community out there that the best thing you can do for your athletes so to get them involved with, with these two men in the five star basketball program, B- because you can then as a parent, just be a parent and there's nothing like it in the world of being able to just, I can be a parent. I don't have to be the coach and the trainer and the person that's driving this. I, I can, I can let them do that for me. And, but that does mean as a parent, I have to shift my mindset and I'm before like I played in college. I can't vicariously try to live my life through my kids. All right. So we, we are out of time. Uh, we're gonna bring you, you both on again soon because this is, just, this is so good.